Jesus. Okay. Um, prayer. It's a really funny thing. It's such a funny thing. I've seen prayer cause a lot of amazing stories like you guys just shared. I've seen prayer destroy people because they expected and they expected and they believed and they believed and it didn't happen. They got let down so they ran around, ran away from God. You know what I mean? I've seen prayer happen in the most desperate of situations because you have nothing else left to give and that's just your last resort. And I've seen people just pray all the time, every single day. It's just a lifestyle for them. Like There seems to be so much variety, so much craziness with it so much uncertainty with it like a lot of people have given up praying because they prayed for so long and nothing happened so like what's the point you know what i mean lots of people live in that place lots of christians live in that place actually every time you hear oh you should be praying to god and reading the bible you go oh yeah i know i should but then you just don't do it because you don't believe because they haven't seen it you know what i mean you've you tried you tried a few times it didn't work god let you down so so to speak and you just gave up you just moved on um i have seen incredible things come from prayer and I've seen horrible things come from prayer. And so I feel like it's I, it's it's a big topic. I'm not gonna get the whole thing done tonight. Of course not, like it's so massive. There's literally hundreds, thousands of scriptures on prayer. Like I just don't, I don't have time for that. But I'll, I'll do a little bit to give you guys a gist of prayer, like real biblical Jesus-like prayer. Because here's the thing, when I look at life, when I look at Christians, when I look at church, I see so much variety in prayer and almost zero certainty about what to do, how to pray or what to expect. People go, pray and hope and God might, or you know, pray and believe and it will happen, but believe and confess and make sure you keep your confession. And if he doesn't enter the prayer, it probably was for the good thing, like it probably was for a good reason and he's got a plan. They make up all these reasons and excuses and theologies and all these things about prayer, trying to justify your experience. I've seen so much go on and it's just, like it it makes me it makes me sad you know what i mean because it's very it's a very muddy topic very very muddy topic it's not it's not very very clear what to do but then you start reading reading the word i'm going to get into that tonight i'm going to read a lot of passages on prayer it is very very simple in the word like i'm not saying it's like like so straightforward and logical like it is a bit of a mind-bending thing sometimes but it is very black and white whereas we make it this wishy-washy like, what are we doing? Maybe he will, maybe he won't. God's will, up to him. But when then we should pray and believe and have faith with the devil. And then, or you know, all these things, like just chuck it all in this one big pot and you're just like, I don't know what prayer is. Like, it's just everything, but it's nothing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But the Bible is pretty clear on it, in my opinion, anyway. It's very black and white. It's like, it goes, you do this, you get this. You say this, believe this, you get this. You ask God, he'll give it to you. You know what I mean? Like, it says stuff like that. And it's just like, that black and white kind of truth hurts when it grates up against your experience which has been so gray and so muddy does that make sense like the bible goes da 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 and then life is just like well maybe if you do this you might pray to god believe hope trust pray maybe it's just like okay you guys get what i'm saying it's it's just muddy like i i was actually so confused by this topic for so long i was like why on earth would you have to ask god for something if he's a good father. I don't have to ask my dad for dinner every night. He just puts it on the table. <laughs> Do you know why? Because he's a good dad. He went to work, he made money, and he put dinner on the table. I never asked for it. In fact, I complained because I didn't like certain <laughs> foods. You know what I mean? And he still did it. <laughs> That's how good of a dad he was. You know what I mean? I don't have to ask my dad to send me to school, to teach me, like get me educated. I didn't have to, didn't have to ask my dad 
how to ride a bike. He just bought me one and taught me in his spare time. You know what I mean? Why should I then have to go and ask God about all these things that, you know, good dads should just do? Am I right? And then why does he demand that we ask him? Like, in the first place, like, can't he just be a, just an endless flowing, just like giving good dad? Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't get the asking. And then why is it more effective when more people pray all together at the same time? Everyone wonder that? Like, people go, oh, let's all gather together and pray. Why? Is he going to now hear you because there's more of you chanting the one thing over and over again? Is that how he works? Is he, is he manipulated by more and more people gathering together? Is that the kind of God that we're, we're trying to serve here? That doesn't make sense to me. I don't like that. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't, I don't understand that. I can't draw near to that. I can't relate to that. I, it doesn't make sense to me. I wouldn't live my life like that. So then why is God like that? And if I can't relate to him, I can't draw close to him. And if I can't draw close to him, I'll never know him. And if I can't, if I can't know him, I'll never know myself. So even this prayer, this topic of prayer is huge. Like I said, I've seen it, people, I've seen it destroy people, to be honest. I think there is a, a, a deeper understanding of like what you think of God that kind of directs your understanding of prayer. But nevertheless, prayer is very defining on what you think about God. Like your prayer life will probably tell me a lot about what you think about God, to be honest. Okay. How many guys, um, how many of you guys have heard stories or maybe you've even experienced yourself praying for something really, really, really hard believing the best you can with all your might, with all your heart, with all your strength, and then being completely let down. Anyone, put your hand up if that's happened to you. Most of you. <laughs> I've done that. It hurts. It sucks. It's hard. I've actually, um, I've seen a few people, it, this really, really makes me super sad, pray um, consistently, day in, day out for something important to them, and then one day, it was just life just stripped it from them. And now they are so bitter at God. So they, they, it, that whole situation, that event, destroyed their relationship with God. They don't, they don't trust Him anymore. Because they thought they kept their, their end of the bargain, so why didn't God keep His? God's not a trustworthy Father, why would I pray? Why would I, get, why would I even draw close to Him anymore? See what I mean? If you, get this, if you get your perspective on prayer wrong, you will not draw close to Him. 100%. <laughs> um, yes. Okay, so that's like one perspective of, of prayer. The second perspective is, how many people have you seen, or even you guys yourself, how many have you seen people praying when they're absolutely desperate and they have nothing else left to do? Anyone, ever, anyone here ever done that? Like you're just like, I've got nothing else to do, may as well just pray about it. <laughs> People who don't even believe in God, they do that. You know what I mean? Seriously. Um, okay, I'll tell you a bit of a personal story about my life. Well, I think I was about 11 or 12 at the time, but I was just going to the toilet one time, just peeing, and <laughs> and like I, I looked down and I saw like a little bit of blood come out and I freaked out. Like I absolutely lost my marbles. I was like... I'm dying. I'm dead. It's over. Cancer. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it's done. I just freaked out. Do you know what I did? I ran straight to my room, got up my Bible, which I had never opened before in my entire life, and started going, God, God, please help me. God, please. God, God I'm, I'm dying. I'm dead. I'm dying. Please help me. Heal me, God. And that, that, at that point in my life, that was my perspective on prayer. When you can't deal with something yourself and you have no other option left to do and you're freaking out and you're super scared, 
that's when you turn to God. <laughs> and that's what a lot of people do. They become amazing, consistent, powerful prayers when they have nothing else left to do. <laughs> and the lifestyle of prayer doesn't exist with, for them. The lifestyle of trauma, pray, trauma, pray, that's what exists. But a lifestyle of constant uh, dialogue and communication with your father doesn't exist. See, that perspective of God is basically, he, he is there, out there somewhere to serve my needs. I'll call on you when I'm ready, but for now I'm pretty good. So you just do your thing, I'll do my thing. But when I really need you, that's when I'll come to you. And if you let me down on that, I'll never talk to you ever again. Just like a broken computer. <laughs> when you're using a computer and everything's working fine, that's amazing. That's awesome. That's glorious. The second that computer breaks or slows down even a little bit, you're about ready to chuck that thing on the ground, stamp on it, set it on fire, write a review to Apple and say, I cannot believe, da 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 da. And you're just so furious. That's how some people view God. I can't believe you let me down. Where were you? Da 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 da. I did my part. Where was yours? Anyone think about this stuff or is it just me? You guys think about this too? Yeah, good. Um, those, those are just two types of prayer and they're both wrong, <laughs> obviously. They both end in death. One, the relationship of God died because you were just so bitter at Him and you never draw near to Him ever again. And two, you don't have open uh, relationship with Him, you just call on Him whenever you need Him and He's basically just like your servant. <laughs> they both end in death. You'll never know a true life like that because you don't know Him. Um, there is so much confusion about prayer. So what we're going to do is just going to tackle a fraction of it tonight, but I'm just going to give you an overall general gist of how to view it, how to start walking in the right direction with prayer, because you need to pray. Jesus prayed a lot. <laughs> Even he wasn't exempt from this. He prayed a lot. Sometimes he was surrounded by thousands of people, and he goes, all right, enough. He walked off by himself up a mountain and prayed all night. Mm. Why? Why did he do that? He's God, isn't he? It's the stuff I think about a lot. <laughs> okay. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. I want you guys to think about your own theology of prayer right now. And you don't have to think about it too hard. Your actual prayer life will tell you what you think. Just letting you know right now. If you pray every now and then because you feel like you should, that tells you so much about what you think about God. And if you pray, you know, every day, but the same thing over and over again, that might tell you a lot too, that you just view him as like this person who, he, who wants you to say this few sentences because those sentences please him. <laughs> like he's some religious weirdo. <laughs> That's, it, like how you pray tells me so much. It's going to tell you so much. I want you guys to think about, yeah, how do I pray? When do I pray? What do I pray about? When I speak, what do I say? And who am I saying it to? How strongly do I say it? All that sort of stuff will tell you what you think about God. If you pray, if you view prayer as something that you need to do every day so that God will bless you, then you think he's someone who exists to meet your needs and you'll use, you'll use prayer to manipulate him into doing what you want. That is what you'll do, if that's how you view prayer. If you pray begging God, then you view him as someone who isn't actually good, but wants you to be only a humble servant pleading with him so that you know he's boss. There's no room for sonship here if you think this way. If you pray as a ritual every day because you feel like you should, then you actually view God as someone who values rules and traditions over relationship and the heart. Your position on prayer is so important. Um, 
make sure you get it right, guys. Make sure you think about God in the right way. He's a good father. That's, that's actually that, that key point right there. Good father is the key to understanding how to pray. What's the first thing Jesus says when his disciples um, ask him how to, how to pray? He goes, Father in heaven. That's where you should start. My father in heaven. Think about those words. My father. My father. My father? <laughs> See, don't, don't just skip over that as some religious word. That's, that's deep. My father in heaven. Now we're talking. See what I'm saying? It's, it's dialogue. It's communication. Um, okay. How you pray actually reveals what you truly think about God, whether he's your father or a slave master, whether he's actually good or not, whether he truly cares about your life or not. You, you will reveal that by how you pray. 100%. All right. Usually I kind of get into the scriptures a bit later, but tonight I'm just going to, you don't have to slip down. I'm just going to read these out. Um, and I'm just going to hit on a few different things about prayer. So I just want you guys to hear the language that the Bible talks about with prayer. It's very direct. It's very black and white. There's no if, buts, or maybes. It's just bleh. Philippians 4, 6-7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So don't get anxious about anything, but in everything, all of life. <laughs> In all of life, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, listen to this language, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, which means you can't understand it, you can't grasp it, you can't know it. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So the, so the pattern is there. Don't be anxious about anything, so stop worrying. Pray about everything with joy and with gratitude and thanksgiving in your heart, letting your request be made known to God. And you know what happens? The peace of God comes. You can't understand it. You can't know it, but it will guard your heart and your mind. See how you can't argue with that? He doesn't go, pray, hope for the best. It might work. God's a kind of temperamental kind of guy. You might get a feeling of a bit of a peace every now and then. Give it your best shot. <laughs> I feel like that's how we teach people to pray. It's so silly. Yeah, pray. God might. Good luck. Thanks. That's really comforting. <laughs> John fifteen seven. Hear the language, guys. Really hear this language. If you abide in me, this is Jesus speaking, if you abide in me, which means if you live in me, and my words abide in you, Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. No one lives like that. Sorry. Some people live like that, <laughs> but they're rare. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. So this is not my sermon. This is the scripture. This is what Jesus said. I'm not, t I'm not changing anything right now. <laughs> Can you guys hear the absolute nature of prayer? Which means that when you pray... You should be praying strongly and in absolutes in black and white because that's how Jesus would pray. But we get scared to do that because we don't want to get disappointed. <laughs> so we protect ourselves with language that says, oh God, he might, he might not. It's his, his decision. 
maybe I believe, maybe I don't, please God, if you will, then of course it's not going to happen. You don't even believe yourself it's going to happen. <laughs> and the whole kingdom's accessed by, by faith. Luke eleven nine. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. So how do you get, give, get, stu how do you get stuff given to you? Ask. Ask. Oh, that was a different verse. That was oh, the previous one. Verse. I'll say it again. John fifteen seven. If you abide in me and my words abide in you. So if, if, if you live in me and my words live in you. So you guys are one in Jesus, right? You live in him. He lives in you. Ask whatever you wish. Whatever. So with the reason you're not getting answered prayer, come back to you not abiding in him. Do you know what I mean? Or like yeah. you like blocking him from abiding in you. Do you know what I mean? Like because yeah, your will's not aligned with his because you yeah. like not living 100%. with him. 100%. Right. Give you an example. It's an extreme example. Let's just say, God, I really hate my wife. I want to go oh. sleep with that person down there. They look, they're way more beautiful. Can you please let that happen? Yeah. There's no way God's going to be like, you know what? You abide in me. I'm going to let that happen. Ask whatever you wish. <laughs> That's not how it works. Yeah. If you abide in him and you let his words abide in you, there's like, there's this like lifestyle there. It's not this like thing that you do. It's this, it's this person that you are. You live in him. Or your whole life is just Jesus. And his whole life is just in you. You know what I mean? Everything he has is in you. And you have that constant relationship. And when you're like that, you become like him. So you can ask whatever you want and he'll give it to you, just like Jesus did. Whatever he asked of his father, God gave it to him. That's the relationship they had. You know what I mean? Um, there's other reasons for unanswered prayer, but I'm going to get to that a little bit later. Because um, it's not just like, God, give me a Ferrari and thank you, done. You know what I mean? It's just not like that. You know what I mean? Um, he can give you a Ferrari if you ask for one. It's not going to hurt you, to be honest. He's a good father. Um, Luke 11, 9. I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open to you. See how there's an element of you doing something there? Ask, seek, knock. And what happens? Will, will, will. You will get, you, it will be given to you. You will find and it will be open to you by asking, seeking and knocking. Make sure you take all this teaching, by the way, and combine it with last week and the week before, believing and persevering. This is not just something that you speak out, you do and it's just done. You, you speak it out, you believe it, you believe the words that you said because Jesus said them and told you to do it. And by persevering in it, you'll say, come. Um, Matthew 21, 22. And whatever. Say whatever. 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 <clears throat> what do you want, a son? I'll give you anything you want. Uh, just, I want uh, a bike. Done. <laughs> um, I want a cake for my birthday. Done. Ask whatever you want. See, the, the way he speaks is so limitless. And we, to protect ourselves, to protect our heart, to not get disappointed, we put limit, 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 limit on it. So then it become, prayer becomes this thing of like, yeah, he might. Pray and believe. <laughs> it's just not biblical prayer. Matthew 21, 22, ask what, and whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. So there's another reason why it's a prayer, not believing. Um, Matthew 18, 19 to 20. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about, any, about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my, my name, there I am among them. Mark eleven twenty four. I read this out a few weeks ago. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. 
whatever you ask in prayer. <laughs> Who prays like that? That whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received, it will be yours. Whatever. Can I share another thing? Yeah, absolutely. Is that right? Yeah, of course. Um, this one I didn't know what I was actually doing. Pretty, probably pretty much the same as you, but um, it was Chris and Ellie's 18th birthday and my daughter always wants to do everything outdoors. And that <laughs> morning, it had woken up that morning and it was just black, grey clouds. And I had to go buy something to the shop so I could walk in when I was in Mona. So I was praying constantly the whole walk down there. But my prayer turned into, Lord, you know how much she loves you. Because everybody knows Ellie, don't they? <laughs> and you know how much she loves you. You know that she's your child and she obeys you and everything. Mm. Lord, she just needs sunshine for this afternoon's party. But the most beautiful thing for me is that I was mumbling this the whole way down. And as I almost got to the shop, I heard God say to me, yeah. I love her too. Oh, and it wow. shocked me. Wow. It really shocked me because I wasn't expecting it. And well, in any case, to be quick, I had jackets, jumpers, boots on because I didn't believe in my own prayer. Wow. Okay. Got down to the park. I don't know if any of you were there, were there at her, for her party, 18th. But the minute um, two o'clock strike, the clouds were just parted Come on. to the point where I was sweating like a pig. John had to go get sandals for me because I didn't believe in my own prayer. Wow. So I just opened the clouds for me yeah. and completely gave, gave oh. Ellie's party. That's beautiful. Yeah. It was beautiful. Thanks so much for sharing that. That's really cool because like, I think something that can happen sometimes as we start to pray, we start to sort of reason with God. We go, but God, look how much she loves you. Look how much yeah. she's done for yeah. you. Yeah. That's a fair trade, God. She's given her whole life to you. She'll give her some weather. You know what I mean? So that we're trying to bargain with him. You know what I mean? Like, I, I'm not making fun. Like, I, I literally do that all the time as well. Like, I'm trying to get what I want. You know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not content with just speaking, believing, and, and asking oh, my father. I didn't, I didn't believe in those days at yeah. all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could just ask what I believed. You know, yeah. I thought it was always a barter to me. Yeah. yeah. I used to read these passages and just laugh at them and go... This is the stupidest thing ever. Like, whatever I ask for in prayer, believing I will receive it. Mm. <laughs> Jesus must have been joking. <laughs> I actually used to, what I used to think, because I was like, my experience doesn't tell me that. My experience is pray, hope, believe. Maybe he will. One in 10 prayers, if I'm lucky. Seriously. Um, okay, let's keep moving. James 1, 6 to 7. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. Whew. Romans 8, 26. This is crazy. Likewise, the Spirit, capital S, that's the Holy Spirit. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what, what to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Now, when you read stuff like that, you should stop and go, what the heck does that mean? Because you'll learn a lot about God when you, when you hit those passages to go, that makes no sense to me. Because <laughs> what it just said was, God, the Holy Spirit, intercedes for you. So, in, like, intercepts, <laughs> kind of, on your behalf and starts praying for you. What the heck? God is praying for you? Who's, who's he praying to? God. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like... Maybe I don't get prayer then. 
if that's what the Holy Spirit is doing, interceding for me, maybe I just don't understand the whole thing at all. That's how I felt when I started reading this stuff. I was like, this doesn't make any sense to me at all. But maybe there's not this like, prayer is this good thing that God likes and is very pleasing to him. Then he'll give you what you want. Maybe it's this thing of like, he wants to draw you into this place of agreeing with him, agreeing with his work. And if you don't have that faith for it, then it actually stops him bringing his kingdom in how he wants to bring it in. You know what I mean? Maybe that's how prayer works. Maybe it's not, I'm trying to get God to do something. Maybe he's done everything already. And by me praying, believing, speaking, I actually partner with that and then prophetically declare what I want to see come to pass. And then it comes. Maybe that's prayer. Because I like that a lot better than, please, 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 God. I really need you right now. That's how beggars ask kings to do, to do stuff for them. Is that the relationship we have with God? How's this as well? Romans 8, 34, a few verses later. Christ Jesus is the one who died, more than that who was raised, who is at the right hand of God right now, who indeed is interceding for us. So now Jesus is praying for us as well. You've got Jesus and the Holy Spirit both interceding for us in the one passage. What the heck? It's, it's, I don't think it's this thing that we think it is. Like, if I tell God this stuff, he'll do what I want. Or he'll, he'll show up in this certain way. And I know most Christians would not speak like that. But their life dictates that dictates that's how they think about God. Or that's how they think about prayer. A lot of the time that is true. Maybe prayer isn't like that. <laughs> Maybe he's just trying to draw you into belief. This whole time. And then once you get in that place of abiding in him, him abiding in you, you can ask whatever you want. That's the privilege of being a son in, in a royal family. <coughs> Any son in a royal family, growing up in a royal family, let's say in England or something like that, they can ask their father for stuff that, you know, someone on the street just couldn't go up and ask the king for. <laughs> you know what I mean? Matthew twenty six forty one, Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. So your prayer, if you watch, if you keep alert, this is, what, this is Jesus speaking, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. That you would actually, so you can actually pray, you can speak and agree with something with God, with your belief and with your words, and that you might not enter into temptation. That's what Jesus said. It can strengthen you for the trials that are about to come. We'll get more into that later. Luke 21, 36. But stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. So that's Jesus speaking to his disciples as he's about to um, get arrested. And you know what Jesus did the night, the night he was arrested? All night? Prayed. prayed. Just prayed. That's it. Non-stop. All night on his face in the garden. Didn't sleep. Didn't eat. Didn't think about anything else. Prayed. He was asking for strength from heaven to deal with the most hectic thing any person has ever dealt with. And actually it says a little later on, I can't remember what it is. I think it's in Luke. An angel appeared to him and strengthened him. An angel literally appears to him and gives him strength to deal with the trial that he was going through. Jesus modeled that. And he says to his disciples, stay awake and pray that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place. And they didn't do that. They fell asleep. They didn't, they didn't listen to him. And they all fell away. <laughs> they didn't pray. That's how, that's how life and death it was for Jesus. Prayer, live, don't pray, die. 
That's how he thought about prayer. But we're just like, yeah, I might pray about it. See what I feel. Praying for you, bro. Thanks. Jesus wouldn't like that. Matthew 6, 7-8 And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you even ask Him. So when you pray, sometimes you'll hear this with people, and I'm not judging them, I just, I just hear it. It's a thing in Christian culture. God, please, God, God, thank you, God, God, yes, you, God, you can do this. Thank you, Father. Just over and over and over and over again, thinking that the more you say it, the more you're somehow listening. <laughs> so Jesus interrupts that thought and goes, that's not how it works, guys. Don't think you're heard because of your many words and your empty phrases. Don't try and fill the air so that you can, he can finally hear you. He's heard you before you even asked. It's not about him trying to hear you. We think it's about him trying to hear us. He heard you before you even thought about praying. He knew what you, were, what you needed. Just shift this mindset away from, oh, if only God heard my prayers and answered them. He has, he's heard all of them. And if you are in him and asking in faith, it is yes. I'm telling you right now, it is a yes. And you go, but I haven't seen that. We'll get into that, all right? <laughs> um, Luke eleven thirteen. If you then who are evil know how to give good, good gifts to your children, how much more would the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? God loves giving gifts. That's actually His joy. And th this is such a rebuke for me the past few weeks. Usually when I drive to teaching night, I'm praying in the car. And God kind of rebukes me a little bit on that because of my mindset for it. I was praying, God, let me stay in your grace. Let me just, you know, speak your word. Let me do what I need to do. Let me just like, you know, preach the word. And my mindset, it was very subtle, but it was there. My mindset was, he probably a little bit wants me to fail so that he can go, see, Nathan, you didn't stay in my grace. And I can go, oh, of course, God, thank you. And repent and draw near to him. But that was, is actually, now that I speak it out, it's just so ridiculous. But that's that, exactly how I was thinking. He kind of wanted me to fail. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So you can go, see, I told you so, Nath. But that's, that's what bad fathers do. Told you so, son. Should listen to me. Mm -hmm. Good fathers don't ever speak like that. <laughs> um, I didn't realize, at least to the degree that I'm realizing now, that his good pleasure is to give the kingdom. It's his good pleasure when I get up here and believe him and speak strong, speak his words, believe in him, and then do a really good job at serving him tonight. That was actually his good pleasure. It's not so he can like, you know, I, I, I can be humble because of my pride. He's not thinking like that. He's thinking, I want this to go really, 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 really well. It's my son speaking tonight. <laughs> That's how good fathers think. <laughs> Jesus. All right. 1 John three twenty two. And whatever we ask from him, because we keep his commandments uh, and do what pleases him. Sorry, I missed the last half of that verse, but I think it basically says, whatever we ask from him, we will receive. Because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. 1 John 5, 14 and 15. And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if, and if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked from him. Do you think the apostles and guys that wrote the New Testament actually had prayer that went unanswered? You better believe they did. 
their experience is not different to yours. They just, they just have a different perspective. They just know what he's like. They lived with him for three years. They saw how he spoke with his father. They saw that when, when Jesus prayed, he knew God heard him and he knew it was a yes. Every single time. John 16, 23, 24, last one. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give to you. How simple is that? Whatever you ask the Father of in my name, he will give to you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. You guys getting this? You get how like straightforward this is? How non-wishy-washy it is? <laughs> There's a few little things that you've got to keep in mind, like abiding in God, having faith, that sort of stuff. But for the most part, you ask, he hears, he says yes. Do you guys get that? Yes, I'm, I'm not asking, have you experienced that? I'm asking, do you see that here? Mm. Does everyone see that here? Because mm. this is reality, <laughs> not what you've experienced growing up in Christian culture. I've experienced many, many unanswered prayers and I'm still believing this. This is my reality here. Faith is the substance of things unseen, right? This is unseen, but by faith I see it. <laughs> Jesus. Actually, I lied. Last one now. <laughs> Colossians 4, 2. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Okay. That kind of combines last week's message with this one. Continue steadfastly in prayer. Keep praying and never, ever, ever give up. All right. The Bible's reality of prayer is so strong, is so powerful, and is so assured. If you pray, you will receive. I need you guys to see that and believe that. Settle that in your heart. Don't move forward any way before you've settled that. Go, you know what? Yeah, it does say that a lot of times over and over again. That's exactly what I believe about prayer from now on. You need to have that kind of relationship with prayer. <laughs> in fact, with every single doctrine, but particularly with this for tonight. There are no if, buts, or maybes. It speaks in absolute terms. So when you pray, you've got to speak like that too. Find me a prayer where Jesus goes, Father, if it be your will. Um, I mean, he does say that in the, in the Garden of Gethsemane, but that's a different context. I'm not getting into that, into that tonight. But find me where he's like wishy-washy, if, buts, maybes, you know, here or there, maybe God, please, all this sort of stuff that we say. He doesn't speak like that. <laughs> um, okay. Most Christian prayer from my experience is either asking God to do something in a way that suggests he doesn't actually want to do it. We don't believe he actually wants to answer the prayer. That's a huge, that's a huge thing that's just got to go. Um, or he's flippant and weak because you don't believe a word you're saying will happen and you are full of doubt. Or is manipulative. You're trying to give, give God what you think he wants to hear so that you'll get what you want from him. All these things I've seen people do and I've done it myself. Or, last one, is lengthy and religious, babbling on and not authentic from your heart. You're saying what you think he wants to hear. You're not saying what you actually want for him to do. <laughs> Didn't it say before, present your requests to God? So do that. Speak your heart. Where you're at. What are you thinking? He already knows it's in there. You may as well just say it. Don't get into this prayer posture and start speaking this language that you heard church people say. He knows that's not you. <laughs> you don't speak like that anywhere else in your life. Why are you speaking like that to God? <laughs> I 
how often do I go, Ben, Ben, I just, I just beseech thee. I just, I, I request that you come and hang in, hang in my presence. Ben, just come. Like, it's good. It's good. Thank, thank you, Ben. Thank you. Thank you in advance. Thank you in advance. Amen. Let it be so. Like, it better be like, what the heck are you doing? You speak to me like a real human, you weirdo. <laughs> you guys know what I'm saying. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, how about you just speak to God like a real human? How about you just do that? Okay, God, I'm having a really crap day. How's your day going? How about you just do that? How about that's prayer from now on? <laughs> Jesus. Okay. Um, there are plenty of reasons to pray, like out of usually out of need, out of tradition, out of manipulation, or out of desperation. There's lots of reasons to pray, but very few people have in their reasons to pray because they believe. And that's, that needs to be your reason. You can come to him with needs, you can come to him with requests, for sure, but you don't pray from that place, you pray from a place of believing. Um, my big idea for tonight is... Prayer is how you partner with the work God is doing on the earth. Prayer is how you partner with the work God is doing on the earth. I've already, I've already shown you what prayer is not tonight. That is what prayer is. It's how you partner with Him, with what He's already doing on the earth. Does that make sense? Hopefully it does. Um, you don't pray to try and get God to move. You pray because you believe he already has moved. It's a very different mindset. It's a very different perspective. It has a lot of strength in it. It has a lot of confidence in it. It's strong language, usually. <laughs> it's fierce. It's from your heart. It's passionate. It's constant. It's dialogue. It's real. It's real from your actual heart, what you actually want to see happen. <laughs> because it's coming from this place of, I believe he wants to do this. I really, really believe that. That's how Jesus prayed. You believe he's already moving in that direction that you want. You believe that the desires that you have, he's already willing to fulfill and already has fulfilled them. And so what you do is you partner with him in that by speaking and believing. That's the pattern. You believe and you speak. Romans 10 says, if you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, then you will be saved. That's the pattern. Believe in your heart, speak with your mouth. Always. Any questions so far? Good. Um, you're getting it, hopefully. <laughs> okay. You believe he's already moving in that direction. So you partner with him and you prophetically speak out what you want to see come to pass. That's how Jesus prayed. <laughs> what he wanted to see happen, he partnered with God the Father who was already moving in that direction. Jesus goes, I can only do what I see the Father doing, right? So he's already believing God's already moving in that way, already moving in that direction. And so he partners with him, with his words, with his faith prophetically declaring with his mouth what he wants to see happen and then he believes it's going to happen. That's how he prayed. And you can still ask him. You're not just saying, God, do this. God, do that. You still ask him. You can still speak to him like a father, but you're not asking him, pretending like he doesn't want to give it to you. 
You're not asking him like he's withholding something from you. But God is not a withholder. <laughs> he might withhold something from you if it's going to hurt you, but for the most part, anything that is good for you, he's going to give to you. That's what good fathers do. That's what good fathers do. Anyone here believe that? Yeah? yeah. If any of you is going to be a father or a mother that's not like that, that's not good. <laughs> I would not tell anyone to be like, be like a, a parent that a lot of the church tells you God's like. What about if it's not like beneficial? Yeah, so totally. Like the bike example, like say like I just want to have a bike and I just go, well, dad's good. Like he wants to give me something that would bring me joy. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But then it's like, isn't it self-seeking? Do you know what I mean? Like, um, okay. My perspective on that is he would know your heart and know that your desire is a selfish thing, right? So in my, in my opinion, if I was a dad, so this is what I always do is understanding how God would pursue this, right? Mm -hmm. If I was a dad and if I saw that my kid came to me and asked me something really selfishly, I would still want to give it to them, yeah. but I would want to deal with the heart issue first. So what if it's just like a little kid, just imagine like a little kid going to dad, I want a bike, I want a bike. Like, does that mean that dad gives the kid a bike? Do you know what I mean? Like, um, if it's not beneficial for their growing specifically, or something, do you know what I mean? Like, if it's not beneficial for their growing... Or the he, kingdom in our sake. Yeah. If it's not beneficial for the person, he won't give it. That's right. what good fathers do. But if it's beneficial for the person, he will give it because that's what good fathers do. So even just him being like emotionally beneficial. But like, it's not like you've got to bring people to the gospel through like yeah. a bike. Even though he can make that happen. But it's yeah. like, do you know what I mean? It's like... Okay. Because I think I often go like, oh, I shouldn't want that. So I shouldn't pray for it. Do you know what I mean? What's an or example? I go, can I, you give this, or like, can I have this, but we work together and use it for your will, kind of thing. But then I go, caught. Like, you go bargaining with him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I, I hear what you mean. Yeah. Um, okay, I think when, when you become a parent one day, you're going to have, basically, you're going to have lots of little goals with your kids, but the main goal is grow this kid into a mature adult. That's the goal. Every decision that you make all the discipline, all the blessings, all the good times, the hugs, the laughs, the, the trips away, the counseling sessions, all that sort of stuff that you gotta do, you know what I mean? Is to grow them from this little child into an adult who can take care of themselves. That's exactly the same as how God views you. You are this little child and he's growing you into the image of his son. That's his goal. He will stop at nothing to get that to happen. So it's not just like, how about if I give this thing to Courtney, is she going to use that to grow my kingdom? Mm. See, he doesn't view you like that. His actual heart for you is, how can I grow her up? How can I make her stronger? How can I grow her more into the image of Jesus? You know what I mean? Mm. That's his heart. What? That's his desire. You know what I mean? It's not like this, like, I know, I know what you're saying, the whole like bargaining thing, like, you know. No, I get that now. Because then it's yeah. like, it's almost like if he doesn't give you the bike, it doesn't really matter, but if he does give you the bike, and it can even just be a thing of like you go, "Whoa, God just gave me a bike, and I asked for that bike." Do you know yeah. what I mean? And yeah. it's like something that it might not be beneficial, but he answered you, and he listened to you, and he responded yeah. to you because he loves you. Like, yeah. Yeah. But do you know what is super beneficial about that? You asking for a bike. So you think that's a little thing that like God, you know, oh, I shouldn't ask for this, shouldn't want this because it's yeah. selfish. It's not selfish. If you have the right heart, if you go, God, I really like riding bikes. I'd like mm -hmm. you to buy me, and I'd like you to get me a new one. And he says, yes, here you go. Do you know what that does? Is that that actually teaches you that all the little desires of your heart are very, very important to him. 
And that means you can draw closer and closer and closer to him. And the closer you get to him, the more you're going to become like him. Wow. So it's actually very beneficial for him to give you gifts. That's wonderful. You know what I mean? So all these little things that you think, oh, I shouldn't pray about that. Yeah, you totally should. Yeah. yeah. I, I'd want to hear every little desire of my children's hearts. Yeah. You know what I mean? Everything. I don't care if it's right or wrong. I don't care. I want to know. Yeah. Like I can figure out later if it's right or wrong and make my decision based off that. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I want to know what you want because what you want is really important to me because you are important to me. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that gives you freedom and creativity to live a life that's authentic to how he's created you to be. You're not trying to conform to this image of like this, like, you know, this good Christian that's, you know, doing all these things that we try and make it be. You're actually just living out of your heart, out of the overflow of the joy of your heart, how he's created you to be. You know what I mean? Mm. You like riding bikes. Mm. Then tell him about it. Say, God, this bike here, I love it. I love the color. I love the shape, the design. It's just my favorite. <laughs> I'd really, really, really like if you'd give it to me. If it's beneficial to you, do you know what he says? 100% yes, it's yours. That's cool. 100%. It might sound weird and go, oh, it's something about that, Nath. You can't say that. That's what good fathers do. You have to understand that. You know what I mean? It may not manifest in front of you immediately. It might. Praise God if it does. <laughs> but... I think it's a yes. In fact, I prayed for a bike a few weeks ago myself and I got one wow. really quickly, much quicker bike, than I thought. Yeah. Oh, yeah. A no real bike. Because oh. my, my old bike, I ride a bike to work every day. Yeah. And my old bike was just getting really crap and rusty. And I was like, I was pouring, not pouring money into it, but I was like fixing up a little yeah. bits and pieces. And I was like, it's just not worth it. I'm get a new one. I started looking. And I was like, God, can you give me a new bike, please? Just anything. I'd love a new bike. Within a few days, I had one. Wow. Yeah. It was crazy. I mean, I went out and bought it. It didn't just like manifest in front of me, but like he, I found a cool ad. I offered the guy half of what he said and he goes, yep, sure. Yeah, well, actually less than half of what he said. Wow. <laughs> and I got it. It was really cool. I really like it. <laughs> <laughs> and Kathy, by the way, I have a helmet that fits my head now. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember that a few months ago? You were like... It's not as funny though. I know. It's good. And it's white as well. So when I ride at night, it's a bit more visible. So I thought you'd like that as well. I know you're making fun of me, but... I'm no, I'm not. I'm, I, I, I appreciate you looking out for my safety. It's good. Oh, I you are. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're funny. <laughs> um, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, if it's, 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 about, it's about the person. God, it's about the person. What's beneficial to you. You know what I mean? If you go, God, give me a billion dollars and you're like, all you've done your whole life is spend money on alcohol and clothes and you just gamble it away and you don't know how to save, invest, like train yourself, all these things. A billion dollars would destroy you within a few years. You'd potentially, you'd file for bankruptcy, you'd, you might be dead. You know what I mean? Go and waste it all away on alcohol. You know what I mean? Like that's super unhelpful. You know what I mean? Um, it's about the, ben the benefit of the person. Yeah. But you know, if you're in a place where it's like you, you've shown that you can handle that stuff, then he goes, yes. Here you go, have a billion. I'm not kidding about that, by the way. That might sound ridiculous. Might sound so stupid. You might be like, oh, you're an idiot, Nath. A billion dollars, if you're gonna give you that. You're letting, you're letting experience define you rather than scriptures. He says if you abide in him and, you, and he abides in you, it's a good thing and you ask in faith, believing you will receive it. Ooh, okay. <laughs> Jesus. Okay. Um, okay. The word says that it's the Father's good pleasure to give us the kingdom, right? He enjoys giving you the kingdom of God. That's what makes him happy. 
That's why he gets up in the morning to give gifts to his kids. That's what good parents love to do. Give their kids good gifts. <laughs> so if you don't believe he enjoys answering your prayers, you are robbing him of his joy. Does that make sense? He enjoys giving you gifts. And if you're going, oh, pray, kind of believe, but like he probably doesn't really want to answer his prayers are very important. You actually interrupted him from getting his joy. <laughs> we don't think like that, do we? <laughs> we think we're annoying him. We think we're just being silly. You know what I mean? He loves giving you the kingdom. He's your dad. <laughs> Jesus. Um, he's a giver. He wants to see your face when you get one of his gifts. Good parents love watching kids open their gifts. <laughs> Isn't that right, Kathy? <laughs> How fun is that? I mean, I haven't experienced that myself, but I was a kid once and whenever I opened a present, my parents were just, they had more fun than me at that moment because they were just so happy for me. <laughs> Pokemon Red. Yeah, baby. Um, <laughs> I actually woke up early on Christmas morning, 1999 to go get Pokemon Red. I played it before everyone else got up. This is a bit about my life, guys. I was obsessed. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, and I finished it before New Year's Eve as well. So, yeah. Thanks. Uh, <laughs> okay. Back to Jesus. Okay. Actually, no, that was Jesus. He gave me Pokemon Red. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> okay. So, keep, keep your heart in a place of viewing God as a good father that you partner with. I need you guys to see him. He really enjoys giving you gifts. Things that build you up. Things that are good for you. All right. A few months ago, I was reading this um, a bit of the Bible. I got to this um, passage called John 17. And it's not called John 17. It's actually just John 17. Um, <laughs> um, it's the whole chapter is a prayer from Jesus to the Father. Like the whole chapter. So if you want to study how Jesus prayed, go study John chapter 17. Now, I was doing that. I was studying how he prayed. I was really curious as to why Jesus prayed. If Jesus is the son of God, why the heck is he praying? That's what I wondered my whole life. And I got to this verse, verse 15. It says, I do not ask, this is Jesus speaking to his father. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. Right? I don't ask that you take them, the disciples, out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. Now, at that moment, I go, okay, I go, sorry, I go, Okay, Jesus, why did you ask your father to do that? Was he not going to do that already? And now that you asked him, he is going to do it? Is that how it works? You guys follow what I'm saying here? Why did he specifically ask this question? I'm not question. Why, why did he give this request to God? Father, keep them out of the... Sorry, do not take them out of the world. Just keep them from the evil one. Why are you asking that, Jesus? What's the point? If God's a good father, he should be doing that anyway, right? So what happened was, um, yeah, I legit couldn't figure it out. Um, <clears throat> so what happened was, yeah, okay. Um, I, I, knew, I knew he said it for a reason and he didn't just waste his breath to say that. Like he didn't just say it because it's just some religious thing that he was saying he was trying to be a good boy. <laughs> I asked, so I asked a few of the, we got a, like a little SMS chain, a few of the, a few of the boys, and I said, guys, what do you think about this verse? Why would Jesus pray that? And then my brother actually said, and I think he's legit, on, he's right on this one, Kenan, he said um, that Jesus, 
is probably just prophetically declaring with the Father what he wants to see happen in this world, but he's phrasing it in such a way that he's asking a request of the Father. Does that make sense? He's asking the Father to do something, not because the Father doesn't want to do it. Now he does want to do it because the Son asked. But he's saying, Father, this is what I want to see happen. I want to see you not take them out of the world, but keep them from the evil one. So those two are in agreement. That's the prayer. They're coming together. You know what I mean? Their words are coming together. They're coming in a line with each other. And he's believing and asking his Father this, this request. And he's believing his Father's going to do that. Does that make sense? He's prof prophetically declaring what he, what he wants to see happen in this world by asking a prayer. From his father. Does that make sense? You guys following that? Because well, why else would he do it? You know what I mean? It doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. Um, okay. This is the right way to view prayer. <laughs> Might sound like a bold statement, but I'm telling you right now, this is the right way to view prayer. Every other version I've seen leads to death. I've seen it happen. Please don't let it happen to you. Don't let, it, don't let, don't let your heart slip into this place of God doesn't want to hear my prayers. God, God's not actually good. He's not interested. He doesn't enjoy giving me gifts. You know what I mean? Don't slip into that place of like, oh, because I asked, now he will. You know what I mean? It's not like that. You are, you are agreeing, you are partnering with the work he's already doing. <sighs> okay. One other thing that confused me before I get into the main passage of tonight was that that verse I read out a second ago, Colossians 4, 2, continue, continue steadfastly in prayer being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Why should I keep asking my dad over and over and over again for the same thing? Is that a question everyone else has? Because I find that strange <laughs> to think about. <coughs> um, what's the point of asking for the same thing over and over again? I don't do that to anyone else in my life. <laughs> Not really anyway. If it's a good person, they usually just say yes straight away. So why do I keep having to ask God over and over again for the same thing? Um, okay. If you start to walk this path, you will battle thoughts that say, why does God require that I stay in constant prayer? He should hear me and then move and that should be it. So if you start to walk this path of like, prayer is me prophetically declaring what I want to see come to pass through agreeing with the work that God is already doing on this earth, then you're going to face thoughts of them. Why am I keeping asking over and over again? If I'm agreeing with him, he should just do it. Right? So, there is more to it than, than that whole situation. That's what we're going to go to now. So flip over to Daniel chapter 9. Daniel is uh, Old Testament, probably halfway through the word-ish. No, I'm going to go 70% of the way through your Bible. That's where uh, Daniel is for me. <laughs> You guys probably on your phones. You're just like, what are you talking about, you idiot? <laughs> I'm old school, okay? I like pages. Um, okay. So, the book of Daniel is ridiculous. If you guys never read the book of Daniel. The nation of Israel was the people of God. They were chosen by God to represent his character and show it to the rest of the earth by following the laws that he gave them, right? They don't do that. They reject God. They walk away from God. They walk in sin and they completely blaspheme his name. So what happens is God's presence basically leaves them. And then this, this other nation comes in, takes over them. That nation's called Babylon. 
They take over them. They take all of the Israelites captive if they're not dead back into their city. And now these Israelites, Daniel is one of them, live in the middle of captivity, basically behind enemy lines. Growing up, it, it, it's like an American growing up in the middle of Iraq. Do you know what I mean? A prisoner of war growing up in a country that you're at war against. You have to submit to their way of life. You have to submit to their rulers. That's just how it is. That's the scene of Daniel. Does that make sense? So, and also Daniel is probably like a 15-year-old, to be honest, like at the beginning of the book. He's super young, which is even more impressive because just like he does, he basically changes the entire nation. This one guy changes the entire nation. Do you know how he does it? He prays and believes in God. That's it. No, no step two. That's it. That's it. He just, keep, he just keeps the faith in the midst of horrible stuff going on around him. Anyway, we get to Daniel chapter 9. I'm not going to read this whole thing because it's a bit of a long prayer. But basically, Daniel is interceding on, on behalf of the people of Israel who are trapped in Babylon. And he wants to know... He wants to confess their sins and get God to come back and redeem his people from Babylon, take them back out of there and build their city back up again, right? That's the context. So he starts praying in the beginning of, of Daniel chapter 9. He says, verse 3, Then I turned my face to the Lord God, <coughs> seeking him by prayer and pleas for mercy, with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession, saying, O Lord, the great and awesome God, who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who, who love him and keep his commandments. We have sinned and done wrong and acted wickedly and rebelled. Turn aside from your commandments and rules. Okay, so basically he's, just, he's confessing the sin of Israel. He's seeking God. He's saying, we want you to, to, to what does he say? Um, verse 16, O Lord, according to all your righteous acts, let your anger and your wrath turn away from your city, Jerusalem, your holy hill because of our sins and for their iniquities of their fathers. Jerusalem and your young people and your people have become a byword among all who are around us. So we've messed up. We've messed up, God. But God, turn away. Give us mercy, right? Okay, that's the context. Now, what I'm going to point out here is what happened in response to that prayer. Okay, verse 20. You guys, Daniel chapter 9, verse 20. While I was speaking and praying... Confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and presenting my plea before the Lord, my God, for the holy hill of my, of, of my God. While I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the first, came to me in swift flight, that's awesome, at the time of the evening sacrifice. So Daniel's in the middle of this hectic, long prayer bringing his people before God. And while he's still speaking, this archangel Gabriel shows up to deliver the answer. When you pray, that's what you want to see happen. <coughs> you pray and then immediately an angel comes down and says, here's the answer. <laughs> How cool is that? Um, verse 22. He made me understand, speaking with me and saying, Oh, Daniel, I have now come out to give you insight and understanding. At the beginning of your pleas, say at the beginning. At the beginning of your pleas for mercy, a word went out. And I've come to tell it to you. 
for you are greatly loved. So at the very beginning, the first word that Daniel spoke, what happened? Message was sent out. A word was sent out. Angels are messengers. That's what they do. They bring the message from God. Um, <laughs> it happened straight away. God did not say, um, uh, let, let, let's hear him out. I want to hear these specific words. I want him to say, I am sorry for what I did. If he doesn't say that, I'm not going to do it. Gabriel, like, you're ready to go, but don't go until I hear those words. He's just, God is just not like that. The second he says that, that his children turn to him and pray, and it's good, and they're believing, they're in him, it's a yes. Do you guys see that here? Yeah? It's a yes. Okay. Now, that doesn't happen every time, does it? Does anyone experience that? Has anyone actually seen Gabriel comes to them in swift flight in the middle of a prayer? I actually personally haven't, but maybe you have. Have you? No, no, no. No, you haven't? Okay. Um, I wouldn't doubt it, though. Also, I just looked up what swift flight means. It actually means extreme weariness, it says. Whoa, what, what? the heck? Sorry if that was a spanner in your works, but... Totally is. Because he flew so quickly get there. <laughs> That's it. I think Courtney's got the right interpretation over there. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, I have no idea what that means. I'm sorry. No, that's right. I just am just your fault for asking me. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. No, all right. I didn't study all the Hebrew words before no, I came here. I'm sorry. All right. You caught me off guard. <laughs> Classic. All right. So Daniel chapter nine. He prays. God says yes. Angel comes, tells him the answer. Get that right? Okay. Let's go over the page to Daniel chapter ten. Because this is so funny that they're back to back. All right. Daniel chapter 10, verse 1. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a word was revealed to Daniel, who was named Belteshazzar. Belteshazzar. Weird name. All right. And the word was true, and it was, and it was a great conflict. And he understood the word and had understanding of the vision. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning for three weeks. I ate no delicacies, no meat or wine, entered into my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all for the full three weeks. So I think what's happening here is that Daniel has seen this vision. It's like kind of like gotten to him a fair bit. And so he goes back and he seeks God again. He starts fasting again. He says, no delicacies of meat and, oh, sorry, no delicacies, no meat or wine enter my mouth for three weeks. How many days is three weeks? 21, 21 days. Okay, cool. Just keep that in mind. Um, so he starts seeking the Lord again, I believe. Okay. On the 24th day, verse 4, on the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river, that is the Tigris, I lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, a man clothed in linen, with a belt of fine gold from Euphas around his waist. Um <clears throat> Okay, I keep reading. His body was like beryl, his face like the appearance of lightning. This guy's hectic. His eyes like flaming torches, his arms and the sound of his words like the sound of a multitude. Um, and I, Daniel, alone saw the vision, for the men who were with me did not see the vision, but a great trembling fell upon them, and they fled to hide themselves. So Daniel finishes his fast. He's, he's injured it for three weeks. A few days afterwards, he's standing on this river with a few other dudes. He looks up and he sees this angel, which has 
who has lightning for a face and <laughs> whatever the heck that would look like. I have no idea. But only Daniel can see this dude. And this, this guy is different from the guy before, from, from Gabriel. His clothes is made in clothes. He looks intense. He looks crazy. But only Daniel can see him, right? Okay, verse 8. Oh, sorry, verse 7. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision for the men who were with me did not see the vision, but a great trembling fell upon them and they fled to hide themselves. So I was left alone and saw this great vision and no strength was left in me. My radiant, my radiant appearance was fearfully changed and I retained no strength. Then I heard the sound of his words and as I heard the sound of his words, I fell on my face in deep sleep with my face to the ground. And behold, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly loved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for now I have been sent to you. And when he had spoken this word to, to me, I stood up trembling. Then he said to me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day, this is, pay attention here, from the first day you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself, before your God, your words have been heard, and I have become and I have come because of your words. So once again, from the first day, Daniel set his face towards God and tried to understand and humble himself before God. His words were heard, a word was sent out, and because of those words, this guy has come. Right? Now this is the crazy part here. This is the reason why I brought you to Daniel. Verse uh, 13. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. But Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I was left there with the kings of Persia and came to make you understand what is to happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision is for days yet to come. Okay. How long is three weeks again? 21 days. So Daniel fasts for three weeks. That's what he feels like on his heart that he wants to do. He eats no meat, no delicacies, no wine, right? For three weeks. He has no idea what's going on behind the scenes, right? But now we get a look at the behind the scenes. This angel shows up, this boss dude, and he says, the day you set your face towards God, the word went out, just like in Daniel chapter 9, the word went out and I came because of those words because I'm a messenger to bring them to you. But what happened? Got interceded. Got interceded. The and prince... The yes. Have the prince... Know. I know. What? <laughs> I know. The, and do you know who interceded? The prince of the kingdom of Persia. It withstood him from coming for 21 days. He went. He came. He was on his way. And the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood him from coming. Now, don't ask me questions. <laughs> I have no idea what the heck all that means, really. <laughs> I don't get the spiritual realm. I don't have laws that dictate how all this stuff works. I, I don't try and manipulate it. I don't try and understand angels, demons doing all this stuff. Uh, I don't care. You know what I mean? I care about God. <laughs> Believing in God, speaking His word, living in His word. That's what I care about. But this is a really cool behind the scenes picture at what happens when you pray. See, Daniel set his face towards God. Daniel was fasting. Daniel was seeking God. And God said, go. And the angel went. 
and didn't manifest for three weeks. Why? The prince of the kingdom of Persia. I believe that is a demonic spirit. The prince of the kingdom of Persia. It says in Ephesians chapter 6, it says in Ephesians chapter 6, stand strong in the Lord, put on the full armor of God to, to hold against the principalities, the evil forces, the rulers of the darkness, right? It doesn't say demons. They are demonic spirits, I believe, but they are rulers, principalities, powers, evil spirits. They rule over areas. They rule over nations. They rule over people groups. And this one, somehow, I don't get how this stuff works, withstood the prayer from being answered. But what's really cool is, still in verse 13, but Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. <laughs> so this guy was fighting the kingdom of the prince, sorry, the kingdom of, the, of Persia, whatever demonic spirit that was, for, th for three weeks by himself. Finally, Michael gets to come and help him. Then as soon as Michael's there, this guy's free to go and deliver the message, what he was sent to do three weeks ago. But he couldn't until Michael came. And Michael probably couldn't get there because he was finding something else until he could finally get there. I have, yeah, I just don't, I don't know how it all works. I, I, I kind of wish I knew, but then again, I probably don't because I was obsessed over it and trying to figure all this stuff out. And to be honest, I don't necessarily need to know that. I just need to know who God is and what I need to do. You know what I mean? Um, but what's really cool is that, okay, skip down to, okay, yeah, verse 21, actually, wait, verse 20. Then he said, do you know why I have come to you? But now I will return to fight against the prince of Persia. This is the same guy speaking, the same angel. Um, against the prince of Persia and when I go out behold the prince of Greece will come <sighs> I don't know what the heck verse 20 yeah I know seriously it's lol verse 21 but I will tell you what is inscribed in the book of truth there is none who contends by my side except these against these against these princes except Michael your prince Michael the archangel was Daniel's angel. <laughs> Wait, so when, you, when they speak about princes, yeah. they mean like spiritual princes? Uh, yeah, it's not oh, actually... That makes so much more sense. Yeah, sorry. Like, did I not... must be a real prince of Persia, so I was thinking some guy like... I know, it's kind of how it reads. It's like it, it, you think they're fighting against men, but they're, they're actually not men, you know what I mean? They're, yeah, right. they're spirits, you know what I mean? Wow. Um, Principalities, yeah, you know what I mean? So... Um, and that's the same with Michael. He, he's, so there's only, there's only three angels mentioned in the whole Bible by name. Gabriel, Michael, and they're both mentioned here, and Lucifer. Lucifer's Satan, right? Um, Michael and Gabriel are archangels. They're like, I don't know, they're like the boss angels. They're like the mad dudes. They, they have rulership authority, you know what I mean? Um, so these, guys, these two were actively present amongst in Israel in this time of captivity in Babylon, right? And Michael apparently is the prince. I know this is getting kind of weird, guys, but <laughs> hopefully you're kind of following the gist of it. Michael was the prince of Daniel. 
Wow. So this is this is my perspective, and I I can't guarantee this is right, but this is my understanding of it. Is that everyone has an angel? So uh, you guys all have angels. So um, in Acts chapter I don't know 11, 12, 13, something like that, Peter um, escapes from prison and is coming to meet the other disciple dudes, and he he's knocking on the door saying, "Let me in, let me in." It's Peter. It's Peter. And they go, um, how can it be Peter? He's in prison, right? And then they go, it must just be his angel. <laughs> they actually say that. Which must have meant that it was very common back then to see someone's angel instead of the actual person. <laughs> Why else would they say, oh, it just must, must be his angel? How crazy is that? That's an axe. I didn't make that up. Go read it yourself. <laughs> but there, there are... There are See, this is why you don't persevere in prayer trying to get God to do something. You persevere in prayer understanding that there is spiritual warfare going on. Does that make sense? And I, I think what happened is here, as Daniel was fasting, denying himself and seeking, seeking God, somehow, in some weird spiritual way, like, like I said, I don't get all this stuff, he released Michael to go and fight this guy. Prince of <laughs> the Prince of the Kingdom of Persia, which released the original angel messenger dude, so he could speak to him. That's what I think. That's my that's my belief. I can't prove that, but I think that's how it works. As you seek God, as you pray, as you fast, as you do all these things, like not in a religious way, but in in a, in a godly kingdom way, you actually change the angelic demonic realm around you. Yes, you do, 100%. <laughs> you know what I mean? Your prayers impact that. There are stories of people going into different cities and areas and villages and whatever, and they pray, and then crime drops. By praying. They could, they could measure the day that they started praying, and just the graph goes, <laughs> you know what I mean? Just plummets at that date. Or there's a, a story I heard, I think I told you guys this before, there was this um, hospital that was practicing abortions, as, as lots of um, hospitals do. This Christian group got together and was like, we want that to stop. So they all gathered together outside the building every Friday morning and prayed for an hour or so that the, that the hospital would actually say, we're not going to do abortions anymore. And they prayed and they prayed and they prayed. They didn't, they didn't speak to anyone. They didn't make any, like, they didn't get people to sign placards and say, join this, vote this, you know, pass this thing, oh, whatever. They just prayed. And then one day the hospital's like, yeah, we're not doing abortions anymore. There's something that you do when you pray, when you believe, when you, when you release your faith with the words that you speak in your heart, you affect the spiritual realm around you. And then prayers can be answered. It's a pretty different perspective than to prayer than, when I, than what I got growing up. I want, it's, 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 a, it's a perspective of prayer that makes me want to fight. Do you guys get that? Now I pray all the time. I don't stop praying because I see this now. I'm like, oh, I'm not trying to get God to do something. That's what I believe my whole life. What a waste of time. Trying to manipulate God, trying to get what I want from Him. No, I believe He loves me. He's inside of me. He lives in me. He's working on this earth and he calls me into prayer and to belief. 
So I'm just going to do that. I'm just going to do it. I'm going to believe. I'm going to practice it. And then stuff's going to happen. I'm gonna, I believe that. You guys following me here? Mm -hmm. It's making sense? I know it's crazy and it's weird. But the spiritual realm is real. It affects your life. It affects your family. It affects health and business and money and areas and poverty and politics and all these things. They have rules and rulers and stuff behind them going behind the scenes that you don't have any idea about. Daniel had no clue this war was going on. But he still prayed and sought the Lord. And that's exactly what he needed to do. How funny is it? He fasted for three weeks. The angel was withheld for three weeks. Do you think that's a coincidence? When God showed me that, I was like, oh my gosh, fasting and prayer is so powerful. You're affecting wars that go in the spiritual realm by your fasting and your prayer and your belief. That's insane. Now, now does this make you want to pray? <laughs> it should. You affect the world around you by your prayer. Your prayer is so powerful. It's ridiculous. Do you have something to say? Or oh, you're scratching your head? Okay. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> Just don't do that in the future. <laughs> oh, good. Um, okay, did I say anything I want to say? Oh, yeah. All right. <laughs> Jesus. All right. Yep, 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 yep. I think I've said all I want to say. Because you guys understand this now, hopefully you understand it, you can actually get aggressive with prayer. You can speak to God strongly because now you know you're not telling Him to do something. Now you know He wants you to speak strongly because this is a war and people are dying and life and death is real and the kingdom is real and Satan and devils and angels and spiritual realm is real and you actually have a real impact on it you won't be passive anymore after this you will actively go after it if you believe what i'm saying if you believe the word do you believe what i'm saying jesus <clears throat> okay so when you're praying right and you're not seeing an answer, an answer to, your, to your prayer, the physical manifestation of your answer to your prayer, right? That's what you want when you pray, right? You want to see it in front of you. I want to touch it, feel it, experience it, see it. I want what I said, what I prayed, and what I believed in front of me. That's what you should want. Don't just go, oh, it's, it's true in the spirit. Yeah, it's done, it's done. No, 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 no. <laughs> you go until it's there. If you want to see Australia change for the good, you pray until Australia is how you want it to look. I'm not kidding. You do that. <laughs> um, get, get, get strong with it. Get passionate about it. Go after it. <sighs> Fight for it. Don't hold back. Before, in my previous understanding of prayer, I would intentionally hold back because I didn't want to be rude to God. I don't want to seem like I was annoying him, being aggressive with him. Whereas the whole time he wanted me to be strong and come to a place of faith and fight with him for goodness and for life and for peace and for love. <clears throat> you can confidently bring your request before God continually, daily and endlessly until you, can, until you see them come to your life. Your prayers, guys, can release the kingdom of God. Release the kingdom of God. Pray heaps. Pray hard. Don't stop praying. Pray for whatever you want. 
Pray until you get it. Pray strong. Pray in your sleep. Pray while you're working. Pray while you're exercising. I don't mean God, dear God, please do this. Da, 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 da. Amen. Don't do that. He doesn't want, he doesn't have a template for prayer. You know what I mean? <laughs> you have to start with, dear God, thanks so much for, every prayer starts like that. It's so silly. It's like we have to follow this template. <laughs> there is no template for prayer. There is authentic relationship and you partnering with the work he's already doing. And you speaking with him from your heart. Jesus. Jesus really tried to get his disciples to pray. <laughs> and they so often would fail on, on that. <laughs> Eventually they got it and they prayed. When, when the Holy Spirit fell in Acts chapter 2, they prayed for that to happen. They were praying. They were up in the, in, oh, they were in the, sorry, they were in the upper room praying because they got it. They finally got it. You're supposed to pray <laughs> and partner with God. And then what happens? Holy Spirit comes. 3,000 people get saved and Peter becomes like a new man. <laughs> this is crazy. Jesus. Okay. If you don't pray, you won't see the kingdom of God come in the way you were destined to and the way he so desperately wants to bring it. You won't see peace. You won't see love. You won't see joy. You won't see righteousness. You won't see all these things that the kingdom of God has and contains in the way you were destined to unless you pray. So pray lots. That's what Jesus says. You ought always to pray and never lose heart. Remember last week? Always pray, never lose heart. Remember the unrighteous judge? <laughs> Keep pestering. <laughs> you're not, see, in the spirit, you're not pestering. But if you feel like you are, that's good. <laughs> Just keep going. Keep seeking. Um, those Daniel passages said that as, a, as, that as Daniel turned his face to God, that a word went out. A word went out. God spoke something. <laughs> a word went out. <laughs> Why? Because he prayed. That's insane. That's crazy. Because Daniel chose to pray. The word went out and the angel was sent. A boss angel as well by the looks of it. Um, we have, honestly, we usually have quite little respect for prayer compared to Jesus. We really do. Jesus says in Luke chapter 2, verse 31, talking to Peter, his name's also Simon. He goes, Simon, Simon, behold, which means look, behold, Satan has demanded to have you. Satan has demanded to have you. What does that mean? Maybe something in the spirit, I, in the spiritual realm. I don't get it. But anyway, Satan has demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. See how, how confident he is? He goes, the ultimate enemy of darkness and evil has come after you. Imagine that. Imagine someone said that to you. The ultimate source of pure black, dark evil has come after you. And, and then Jesus goes, don't worry, I prayed for you. It's all good. Why don't we treat prayer like that? When someone goes, yeah, bro, I'll be praying for you. Go, thanks. We're just like, that means nothing to me. Because we just filter our expectation of prayer through our experience of life. I've had so many unanswered prayers. Prayers like, oh yeah, it's just this thing. It basically just means my thoughts are with you. I'll be praying for you, bro. Mm. Jesus goes, but I've prayed for you. <laughs> See the difference? Because he got this. <laughs> he understood that. <laughs> that perspective of prayer. 
Um, Jesus is confident not just in his own words, but in the fact that his words are going to be met by a loving father that agrees with his heart and partners with him in bringing the rule of peace on this earth. That was his confidence. He could walk confident because he prayed. His relationship with God and the prayer that lived in between that relationship was his strength and was his joy. And he would so often seek intimate time with the Father. <clears throat> Check this crazy verse out. Almost finished, by the way. James 5.16 Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Prayer brings, prayer brings healing. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. James 5.16 The prayer of a righteous person. Who's righteous here? Anyone righteous here? <laughs> the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. I love how it says as it is working. Like there's actually a bit of a process to it sometimes. Like you may not see it straight away. Like there is a bit of a, I said it, I spoke it, I believed it, but I haven't seen it yet. It has great power as it is working. I need you guys to pray with great power, expecting that what you say and what you speak and what you believe is changing the world around you because you, you chose to speak and pray and believe. It's that powerful. 1 Thessalonians 5.13 says, so simple, three words, pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. Don't stop. Don't quit. You watch, you start living like this, you start living a lifestyle of prayer and dialogue and communion with, with God, partnering with Him prophetically to, to declare His kingdom on this world, and you don't stop. You watch goodness and life and peace and love and joy flow from within you and follow you and be around you all the time. And whatever you speak and whatever you, whatever you will your prayer to do, <laughs> you watch it. I'm not kidding. You will see so much love, joy, and peace just follow you, follow your life, you know what I mean? You stop chasing it in other things. It'll just come after you. <laughs> Believe, speak, and persist. Two weeks ago, what did, I, what did I teach on? Believing, remember that? Limitless believing. What did I teach on last week? Perseverance. And what about this week? Prayer. Believe, speak, persist. Believe, speak, persist. Persist. That's the pattern. Three things. Believe it in your heart. Speak it with your mouth and don't ever quit until you get exactly what you spoke and believed. <laughs> you guys know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. That is how Jesus lived. That's what you're called to walk into. <sighs> okay. Our experience has made us weak prayers. We have developed theology around unanswered prayers, thinking God doesn't want to truly answer our prayers. <clears throat> We make up things to, to be like, oh, he didn't, he didn't answer it for this reason. It was probably better for me for this reason. You know, he, he doesn't really want to give me this. It's actually going to hurt me if he does. And all these little things, you just pray, speak, and believe. You just go after it. Go strong. Go strong. Jesus. Repent of your theology of prayer that you've developed in your mind because you've seen so many unanswered prayers 
change the way you think. That's what repent means. It doesn't mean, oh God, please, I beg you, forgive me. That's what the church has made repentance into. Repentance is actually, holy crap, I was thinking like that. Oh, that's so silly. Okay, I'll think this way. That's repentance. Because when you get a kid to, to go and say sorry for you know, doing something wrong, if he just goes, yeah, I'm sorry, not good enough. I want you to get that you shouldn't have done that and next time to think differently. That's what a parent wants with their kid, right? Don't just say the words, change. <laughs> Repent from your way of thinking about prayer. So change the way you think and start praying bigger than you can even imagine. Don't limit yourself. Don't limit your thought life and your prayer life and your imagination. You'll be given a humongous imagination for a reason. Um, Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or imagine. What can you imagine God doing? Well, I can imagine doing this and this and all these amazing things. Paul goes, yeah, he can do way more than that. Why are you thinking so low? We pray like, oh God, I pray you know, like, have a good day today. Just like, okay, that is a good prayer. That's okay, it's fine. Just don't let it stop there. Start praying, Father, I want to see five billion people saved in my lifetime. I want to lay my hands on the sick and see every single disease healed ever. I want to walk in a room and if people have evil spirits inside of them, that they just run out. They just get out straight away. I want to have a successful business that gives people jobs, that makes billions of dollars every year, and I can use that to grow and build orphanages and churches and schools all around the world and give life to people. See, now we're talking. Even that, to me, that's, that's not big enough. I want to go bigger than that, to be honest. It's God, right? More than you can ask or even imagine. Go big. Think big. The reason people don't pray big is because they're so expectant that it's not going to work. They're going to get hurt, disappointed, and let down. I can understand that, but you've got to press into him knowing that it's not about <laughs> that feeling. It's about knowing who you're partnering with. God is looking for people who pray really, 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 really big. Because he'll go, oh, he actually gets me. He actually gets that I'm not bound to his own life, his own thoughts, and his own perspective. He actually gets that I'm far bigger than he can ever imagine. That's what he's looking for. Limitless believers, limitless prayers. <laughs> Pray often, pray big, pray confidently, pray with eager expectation, pray with a passionate fire in your heart. Never stop, never give up, aim big and don't doubt. In Jesus' name. <laughs> Amen. Any questions? It's a bit of a, a, bit of a touchy topic, I think, sometimes. People have prayed and prayed and prayed and they've, and they've seen people die. And that, that really sucks. I hate that. I don't even have necessarily an answer for you if you've gone through something like that. I really don't. All I know is that the devil brings death and God brings life. So partner with God, not the devil. Seriously. Any questions? Any thoughts? Oh, my people will be destroyed for their lack of knowledge. Yeah. It brings lack of faith, of disbelief or something. 
I don't think it said anything about lack of knowledge brings. Well, maybe that was just what Dan was talking at the time. But okay. It was, it was like it was like we limit ourselves because we don't have the full knowledge of what God can do for us. Yeah, totally. I I think there's a lot of truth in that. Mm -hmm. um, because you can't believe in something that you don't know. Mm -hmm. um, and then you can't see a manifestation of the kingdom of God without believing. Mm -hmm. Like you can't see the kingdom of God come to the world without believing. It's just not possible. You know what I mean? Like um, that's just the truth and the reality of it. Like belief brings this stuff in. Mm -hmm. um, <coughs> yeah. And you know, do you know how you get belief? Mm -hmm. Faith comes by hearing. That's it. There's no step two. <coughs> faith comes by hearing the word. If you want faith, you want belief. You read the word, you hear the word, you think about the word, you meditate on the word, and faith will just grow and rise and build in your heart. It says, Jesus, it says in the word, Jesus is the author and the perfecter of your faith. He started the book and he's going to finish it. I like that. And hearing is, you read it, you don't get it, you ask him and he tells you. Yeah. yeah. It's not just like, you know, plug the audio Bible in and my faith's going to grow overnight while I sleep. <laughs> it's, 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 and it's deeper than just like, like you said, just like the intellectual, oh, I read that, it's in my mind now. It's like, no, 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 you need to understand it. You need to hear his heart behind it. What's he saying? What's his heart? What is he like? What does he dislike? That's hearing the word. That's building up your faith. You know what I mean? Communion with him. 100%. That's what it's all. It's, our whole talk tonight is based on God's character. If you have a warped perspective of God's character, you will probably try and beg and pray and manipulate Him with prayer. Unfortunately. Yeah, like yeah, for sure, for sure. He's a good father. Um, yeah. Let's end it with that. That's a good note to end on. Good father. <laughs>